Hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is October the 2nd, 2022. It's a Sunday for me. Hopefully you're having a good one whenever, wherever you're listening to this. Uh, let's see, uh, personal news stuff, not too much to update. Um, food corner though, let's see, I actually had McDonald's breakfast today and, um, they got the uh, pumpkin, pumpkin pie, or yeah, pumpkin and cream pie. <laughs> I don't know, such a weird thing to say, uh, but yeah, it's like a more or less you know pumpkin pie flavoring, and they got cream, and they just put it in a little pie form. So it was pretty good. I overall enjoy it. Would eat it again. I don't know if it's my favorite of all the all of them. I think the blueberry one is still my favorite, but. Uh anything else in terms of food i did get some more like uh japanese food from the uh the little mall i go to to do some stuff um very good i'm more or less i think i'm gonna try to replicate that again because i always like eating it because it's just more or less chicken and rice and that's very nice (laughs) but we can get into it let's see for starters i wanted to talk about hurricane ian more or less hit Florida, that was like obviously the big talking point. Also hit uh, Cuba too, so I wanted to you know talk about those things. Um, oh yeah, as well as Florida, it also hit the Carolinas. Landed in the South Carolina and did a good amount of damage in North Carolina. But we can start with the title. Also, I'm gonna definitely um, let you know there's some tangents because I wanted to kind of cover some other things that aren't necessarily like articles I have lined up. But yeah, got this from ABC Seven. At least 72 deaths reported after Hurricane Ian slams into Florida and four dead in North Carolina. Now, I'm not sure if there were any deaths in South Carolina where the uh, hurricane like, re-entered later on after it ran through Cuba into Florida and then, you know, came back, you know, re-energized itself. Uh, at this point, it's like, I think at a post- like tropical storm cyclone thing i don't know exactly what it's called but um i mean yeah it's done a lot of damage and i think initially people thought like you know meteorologists were like oh it might miss the area it's not going to do as much damage and then you know it changed directions something like that and then became like a big deal in the middle of the week now there was a lot of talk of evacuations and this was a big deal because this is going to be a big storm. And, you know, Florida's not new to that. Uh, the people of Florida, you know, they are used to this kind of situation. But where it was going to hit and the severity was just a really big combination that really, you know, had people really worried. Like, this is going to hit some, like, low-lying areas. Essentially, if these areas get hit with this kind of, you know, rainfall and kind of damage, I mean it's going to flood like the whole area. People are going to die. And, you know, sadly, that is what happened. You know, initially throughout the week, they didn't really even want to come out with numbers because, you know, obviously they weren't sure they weren't able to get into the areas. But now, you know, they have, you know, it's definitely, you know, a really sad, stark reminder of how nature can just come through and wipe everything out. I was listening to some stories on The Daily where they were just talking to, you know, men and and women, you know, Floridians, and they were just saying, like, look, you know, I I definitely took a calculated risk, I know, but, you know, I I thought I had everything set, ready to go, 
And then next thing you know, um, you know, I have my backup generator up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the water's creeping up onto my street. It's in my shed. Next thing I know, it's in my house and I had to leave. And you just hear about all these stories. And it's it's crazy, too, because I think something that really kind of hit me in an eerie way was hearing the stories of a lot of the elderly people. I mean, because Florida's just filled with a lot of people like that. And there's kind of two kinds of Floridians. There's the Floridians who, you know, are native to it. So they've grown up with this all their life. It's very common. And then there's also, you know, the, what is it? I forget what they're called. Um, It's like snowbirds. I think they're called snowbirds. But essentially they're people who have moved from, you know, up north and they've come to Florida. You know, they're doing their retirement thing. And so this is a this is an adjustment for them. They might have only had one or two storms, and maybe they weren't so bad. But this is a big one. Um, honestly, one of the biggest storms that I think Florida has had. So it definitely caught everyone flat-footed, whether you were used to this or not, and did a lot of damage. I mean, they're still calculating and total, you know totaling up the damage. Um, let's see. We can read a little bit from this article. Deaths span multiple counties in Florida, including 35 in Lee County, 23 in Charlotte County, 5 in Volusia County, 3 each in Collier County and Sarasota Counties, and 1 in each Lake Hendry and Manatee Counties. Um, so that's a lot, you know, spanning a lot of counties, a lot of areas. Something, though, I did want to talk about on the tangent before I kind of move on to, I guess, like the Cuba part it's crazy to hear some of these stories from companies, some of the people like, you know, you know, politicians or whatever who are leading, you know, the counties in terms of like the evacuation procedures and stuff. Uh, a company that made a lot of waves this week was Postal Mania, I believe. Uh, essentially, they wanted their workers to come and stay in the facility. Apparently, they had a facility that could maintain up against, like, Category 5 storm, like, a category, like storm damage, whatever. And they're like, you know, we're actually going to still be open, and you should come to work. And, you know, we get that you're scared, but, you know, hey, like, this is probably just going to be blow over. It's probably overhyped. It's no big deal. And it actually was a very big deal. And... They're telling people to bring their kids and their their pets to to work, and everything was just going to be hunky dory, a okay. And um, once again, not to blow it out of proportion. Luckily, with um, you know the way the internet moves, the way that this went viral, uh, they shut that down. They said, okay, never mind. We're you know we're going to just shut down work. And needless to say, they weren't able to open up and you know cruise through this like they thought. But it's just crazy that that was the thought process. And then also, I don't have uh, the name of the counties. I wasn't able to actually get to it. Been a busy boy. But there were counties in Florida that were even trying to, I guess, hold out. And it's like, you should not be playing around with this. Like, you guys have all done the numbers. It's all well and known. Like, this is going to come. It's going to be a problem. You need to get your people out. You need to do your best. And to, like, try to do the opposite is, is fucked up. So... Something, though, I, I guess I kind of surprised me. Maybe it's just because I have low expectations. <sighs> Excuse me. But Ron DeSantis was actually, like, kind of a governor throughout all this. 
uh, he actually tried to, you know, he accepted the help that was given from the federal government. So that was interesting, I guess, to see. Now, granted, what what else are you going to do, especially when you know your shit's on the line here and people are dying, like, to, to hold to hold on the hill, per se, to, like, you know, stand on your, you know, conservative values or whatever the fuck, you know, whatever you're railing Disney about, it will be silly when people are dying, you know, during a hurricane. So good that he was at least sensible enough to, like, you know, do his job. <laughs> um, not to give him too many bratty points or anything like that, but... I, I would say that was something that was very interesting to see. Uh, I kind of almost didn't expect it. Um, let's see. It's more or less what I wanted to cover there. Obviously, there's a lot of stories. Like I said, too, it didn't just hit Florida. It also hit the Carolinas. Ooh, excuse me. Hit the Carolinas. I don't believe there were any deaths known. Yeah, there was no reported deaths as so far, uh, at least as of Saturday, I believe. Um, but in the neighboring North Carolina... Four storm-related deaths have been reported. Governor Roy Cooper sent a statement on Saturday. Uh, Three involved in vehicle accidents on Friday, with the victims ranging from an age of 22 to 25. Additionally, a 65-year-old man died Saturday from carbon monoxide poisoning after running a generator in his closed garage while the power was out. So that's really sad. Naturally, you know, you're trying to, like, you know, be prepared, equip yourself to the situation, and, you know, it's super sad that something like that happened because, just because you were trying to do your best to survive, right? Um, in Cuba, though, I didn't really get a death toll of what of what happened, but a big focus has been about the blackouts post-Hurricane Ian. You know, it moved through on Tuesday and did a lot of damage, and essentially a lot of Cuba has just been without power. I think they've gotten maybe, like, half in Havana, like the capital, but outside of that, it's been really bad. So people have been taking to the streets, in their homes, like local areas, and doing like the most peaceful processes they can. And essentially what they've kind of resorted to is banging on pots and pans. Um, Actually, let me go ahead and read the title from Reuters. Banging pots, Cuban stage rare protest over Hurricane Ian blackouts. So that was also from Yahoo News as well. But essentially, they got the details on it there. Um, I didn't hate this article. I feel like it wasn't super slanted or anything like that. They do obviously talk about a little bit how, like, you know, the Communist Party works in Cuba and the situation um, and how people, you know, are upset. But I think that's something that is going to happen anywhere, shape or form. You know, that could happen in a normal, you know, vanilla democracy like America. So hopefully, you know, the situation is better, you know, there with the power uh, I mean, I can't, I mean, actually, I can't imagine. I know we, we've had situations where it's like, oh man, like, you know, we're living in the middle of the Midwest, things are fine. But like when the power goes out for multiple days and your food just rots and spoils, like, well, what are you going to do? Like, that's money out of your pocket. Like you got to recuperate that. And even so you can't because your refrigerator's still out, your electricity's still out. So I totally understand the angst and the anger because you're paying for this. It's not free. It's not like, you know, it's for nothing. Like, they should have this shit up as soon as possible, right? That That's just the energy. That's just the vibe. Um, let's see here. Was there anything else? No. I think we can kind of just keep it moving, keep it cruising. Let's see. The next one I got was from NPR. Um, in a reversal, the education department is excluding many from student loan relief. 
So this is an update on the student loan forgiveness situation. Uh, it definitely puts a sour taste in my mouth. It seems like the administration's kind of doing a little bit of a back out, a little bit of a backpedal, if you will. Um, let's see. Let's read a little bit about a little bit from the article to kind of help explain it. Uh, let's see. And more or less, it's a change on the loans that are going to be accepted for the one-time relief. Essentially, up until the 29th of September, you were like able to do all kinds of debt relief. You were fine. It was good to go. But essentially, um, these family or these federal family education loans, and then Perkins loans, uh, which were pro became privately. Um, let's see. They were issued and managed by private banks, but guaranteed by the federal government. Uh, they used to be a mainstay, but the program, um, let's see, but the FFEL program ended in 2010. So they still have these, these private banks or whatever, have these loans, and they're supposed to be making a profit over it. But because of the situation, they aren't standing to make said profit. And you know, up until these lawsuits that were, you know, coming up now, essentially the plan was, hey, you can get these converted into like a direct loan, federal loan or something like that, and that will be forgiven. You'll be fine. But now they're saying that they're not going to do that. Essentially, if you have this kind of loan, you're just shit out of luck. And that's fucked up. I think they said 800,000 people are going to be affected by that change. Uh, they try to play it down as like, that's a small percentage, but nah, man, like <laughs> if 800,000 borrowers are going to be affected by that, that's not a small number. I don't care what statistical percentage you throw at me. You can eat my ass. Like, nah, that's fucking fucked up. Um, let's see. Um, there are roughly 1.5 million FFEL borrower borrowers who also have direct loans which still qualify for cancellation, though their FFEL loans no longer do. So those are people who I guess have like both and only half now are going to be forgiven. So it's like, okay, cool. But like you just said that we were cool and I'm going to get this forgiveness. I've, you know, I'm already set now and you're telling me, no, you're not. Um, also, I obviously haven't really had to interact with this whole process, but I've imagined it's been probably pretty jammed up with everyone trying to get on and get it all worked out. So... I, I would definitely ask any listeners, if you have any, like, interaction experience with this, please let me know. I would love to get your thoughts and, like, you know, put them out there for people to kind of hear who maybe aren't, you know, going through this and, you know, would like to know more. I, I'm definitely one of those people who would like to know more for sure. Um, But it's, it's just, it's, uh, let me read, I guess, some more here. Um, here's a statement. Um, Our goal is to provide relief. Our goal is to provide relief to as many eligible borrowers as quickly and easily as possible. And this will allow us to achieve that goal while we continue to explore additional legally available options to provide relief to borrowers with privately owned FFEL loans and Perkins loans, including whether FFEL borrowers could receive one-time debt relief without needing to consolidate. Borrowers with privately held federal student loans who apply to consolidate their loans into direct loans before September 29th, 2022, will obtain one-time debt relief. The FFEL program is now defunct and only 
a small percent of borrowers have FFEL loans. So, like I said, there's that, that, that instance of a small percentage of borrowers. Once again, I say that's bullshit. And um, a really key word there is the legally available part. Because, like I said, people have come up to file lawsuits against, you know, Joe Biden, uh, which isn't a new thing. You know, presidents get sued. I know they sued Obama for some bullshit. The shit always kind of comes up and happens. Essentially, it's to pressure the administration to back off whatever the fuck they're doing. And in this situation, it seemingly is working. Um, Let's see. Yeah, six state attorney generals um, filed a new lawsuit. Uh, one of the plaintiffs uh, is Missouri, which is home of the Mohella, M-O-H-E-L-A, which manages both federal direct loans and these old FFEL loan programs. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, let's do one more quote. The consolidation of the Mohella and the FFELP loans harms the entity by depriving by depriving it of an asset the ffelp loans themselves that current that it currently owns and this, this is a statement from a complainant uh, or from or it's from the complaint uh the consolidation of the mohella and the ffelp loans harms the entity by depriving it of the ongoing interest payments that these loans generate so essentially they're saying you're fucking up our bag by um, trying to do this student loan forgiveness. It affects us and it cuts us out of money that we should be getting on the interest. And uh, that's really fucking nasty that these companies give so much of a shit about that. But that's business, baby. That's capitalism. <laughs> um, Let's see here. I'm stifling a sneeze. I got like a sniffles or something. I don't know. Hopefully I'm not like sick again or anything. Hopefully it's just a continuation of the minor shit. But bear with me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mm. Um, let's see. Um, and some more international stuff. Obviously, that was some U.S. specific, but we're going back to Afghanistan. Um, let's see. I got this from CNN. At least 25 dead after suicide bomb blast at Educational Center in Kabul. Um, let's see. 25 people were killed, and they were like, um, mostly young women. I believe there were also some, you know, younger boys as well, or maybe like, you know, teacher students, whatever, or a teacher student. I'm not sure exactly how deep this was, but essentially this is, uh, took place on Friday at the Kaj Education Center. Essentially, I think it's kind of like, almost like a private situation almost, if I'm not mistaken, might be fully that, but the students were going to, they were there to take a practice exam. And, uh, you know, someone came and they did a, you know, a bombing, a blast. And, you know, I believe like it was concentrated in this big room and, you know, it was just the whole mess. It was very terrible. Um, Let's see. The emergency uh, surgical center received 22 patients, including 20 women, according to a statement by a group Friday. Two of those patients have died. From, you know, I guess the patients that came through there. Uh, The victims are all between 18 and 25 years old. And most of them are in the classroom to take an exam. Uh, One person was already dead on arrival and another died after being admitted. 
Um, and essentially, I mean, no one has come to claim responsibility. Um, it's, you know, potentially possible that this is like an ISIS-K situation. But, you know, um, maybe, you know, some a group will come and claim it, maybe not. But, I mean, a lot of this just kind of comes from an energy that they like, they feel that, you know, women shouldn't, they don't need this. They don't need to go and get an education to this level, to this degree, that they should just be at home and be doing what they're doing. And honestly, you know, yet again, whenever I kind of come on these things, I try to be as trepidatious as possible, try not to speak beyond my own means and what I know in my own experience. I was like, I do not know. I've not lived this lifestyle. I, you know, I've only lived a Christian American lifestyle. It's its own thing. But, you know, it's sad. It's always a shame to hear that people want to take life from others to try to make their own religious point. You know, that just that's never right. That's never okay. Um, it's a shame that that happens. Actually, um, it's a bit, I guess, too, in the next um, article we have coming up. I think there's anything else I wanted to kind of talk about here. I don't think so. Kind of moving along. Let's see. The next one is from Reuters. Um, Burkina Faso soldiers announce overthrow of military government. So this is, I'm not sure. It's been a while since I covered it. Let me put my nose. Um, Excuse me. Um, it's been a while since we covered it. If we did, I want to say it was definitely, yeah, towards the end of January when it happened. But there was a coup in Burkina Faso. And, um, actually, I know we did cover this because the only reason I know the Ouagadougou, um, you know, where this, you know, the area, the capital where this takes place. But, essentially, Paul Henry Dambia, um, did a coup. Essentially, you know, they had you know, a lot of Islamic terrorism, extremism that they were dealing with, they were trying to overcome, and it seemed like, you know, the president at the time was not dealing with it, was not stepping up enough to handle it, so the military stepped in on him, and, you know, he took power. Essentially, though, this week, the military again did another coup, only this was on Dambia, and now... You know, Dambia's whereabouts are, you know, no one knows. You know, he's in the wind. Um, Now, this isn't in the article, but I heard this today from the BBC that uh, Dambia has issued a statement saying, like, hey, you guys need to stop this. Like, if you continue on this path, it's going to lead to a civil war. Um, More or less, you know, insinuating that there's going to be a potential counterstrike if you guys don't, you know, pull out now and stop now. Um, but they are looking for him now. Um, let's see. Burkina Faso's new leader is Army Captain Ibrahim Traore. Um, in the picture, he's the man I have front and center on um, the, the podcast episode. And the group, you know, essentially an armed group came through and they, they did this, you know, public announcement that they were going to be taking power. Essentially, they um, also, I think elections have now been pushed. Democratic elections have now been pushed for two years till like 2024. But um, they are hoping that either a military leader or a civilian leader will be elected into power. So, 
you know, I mean, we'll see how things kind of go from there. But um, let's see. Yeah, the former president that Dambia ousted was uh, President Roche or Roche, Roche, Kabore. Um, but yeah, once again, for the same reason, uh, it's just a lot of and something I've kind of been learning and a little bit of my research and gathering is that a lot of, you know, Islamic extremism, like, you know, the Al Qaeda and um, just Islamic State, you know, ISIS, whatever, uh, they make moves on areas where it's like, okay, we can potentially get a religious foothold here. And on top of that, more importantly, the government is weak. So if the government is weak, we can step in and be that force. And it doesn't matter how violent we are, whatever, our strong hand's going to rule in this area because they can't stop us. And, you know, naturally the people, honestly, they were happy to see this coup because they're like, look, we don't want military rule, sure, 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 but we want, you know, we want order. I mean, that's what everyone wants at the end of the day. I think that's something that people can really get lost on. Um, oh shit, and that actually reminds me, something I, that fell through the cracks this week, because I'm not going to be able to cover it, I mean, it's been so busy, um, and I don't know if I feel like doing a Leftovers episode, but I mean, you got the Maloney situation in, in um, Italy, she's a new uh, prime minister, essentially very right-wing, um, it's like neo-fascism type shit, and, you know, I, I've been scratching my head thinking like, man, it's crazy, like, they haven't had that kind of leadership since World War II and fucking Mussolini. How did we get here? And it's because none of the changes that have been made along the way did enough to make people feel secure and safe and that they were being, you know, they're being prosperous as a country. And in those situations, you always wind up turning back to a very just decrepit way of governing, very decrepit way of leading. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, no one wants a military junta in power, but if it keeps order, then that's what you'll take. Um, so, you know, I, I wanted to bring that up with the whole Italy thing because, like I said, I, I get the feeling I'm going to miss that in terms of uh, news bumps, and that was big. But um, I, I think in some ways that it just kind of goes to show, like, we all have this utopian thought of what a good governance would be. You know, I think a lot of people are like, yeah, we, we something democratic. Um, you know, obviously, you know, if you're, you know, a leftist, whatever, you want something, um, you know, like socialism, you want something very progressive at the very least, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, the things on the right, the, you know, conservative tactics and takes, they wind up coming through because a lot of people, it's easier to like land on those lizard brain behaviors of just like, we should keep people out. We should like control ourselves and like we should have a heavy hand to make sure that this doesn't go wrong or whatever and this stays right and like next thing you know you're policing how people live and think and feel and like yeah it's weird i know i'm definitely in the weeds here i'm over here splicing on articles and stuff but um i would definitely keep you posted i'm definitely sure this uh situation in burkina faso is not done um let's see here um and then we got the last article that I wanted to cover for the episode. I'm going to take my little break and then we'll hit it. Mm. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, got this last article from Reuters. Um, Indonesia soccer stampede kills 125 after police use tear gas in stadium. So, really sad story of another, like, you know, stampede, crush situation. Um, let's see, 125 people were killed. More than 320 people were injured. Uh, more or less, the home team, they lost, and immediately people hit the pitch, and they were just on the field, going crazy, like, upset, mad. Now, that's obviously bad. That's not the start of a good situation. That's chaotic. That's that's bad. You need That needs to be contained. That needs to be, you know, quelled. I get that. But, essentially, where the crush winds up happening... Oh, excuse me is when uh, the cops are using tear gas and then, you know, there are people who are now trying to disperse and in all of the chaos, you can't move, you can't leave, but everyone's masked out at, at the exits and they're all trying to run towards the exits and, you know, that's chaotic. That's going to lead to more death and I believe that was kind of like the main part of that, you know, how it got so bad. Um, also, it was also in a crowded, overcrowded stadium, I should say. I think they had about four, 42, um, like 100 people there, 100,000 people. Um, you know, you, you guys know I'm bad with numbers, but I believe that the stadium was only able to, like, contain 38,000. Okay, wow. I'm sorry, guys. My bad. You know, I just came off of this break, so, whew, my bad. 42,000. Yeah, there we go, 42,000, and the stadium was only supposed to be able to hold 38,000. So, that's way too many people. Like, you got way too many tickets for two little seats. That's a that's a bad disaster right there. Um, let's see. They also have some other examples in the article, um, you know, of other, like, you know, bad, uh, you know, soccer situations i'm saying soccer because i'm an american and i feel like if i say football people are going to think i'm talking about pigskin football you know brett Favre scan football it's not that one um it's kickball yeah not kickball but soccer you know you're kicking the ball um but let's see oh i didn't know this indonesia is scheduled to host the uh oh fifa under 20 world cup that's not as spectacular as just the world cup but whatever um, there you go. That's a fun fact I'll leave you with there. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. That's more or less all I have. Like I said, I don't know, don't, I don't think I'm going to do a leftovers episode, but, um, might give you a little rundown of some, some just some headlines I found. Kind of give you a little quick blitz, if you will. Um, cause there was, there was definitely some ones that caught my attention. Oh, this is a big one. Um, we can kind of quickly just run through real quick. Uh, Venezuela swaps seven jailed Americans for Maduro relatives. Um, this is from the Associated Press. Essentially, this was another one of our big moves, uh, like from the Biden administration to kind of show, hey, we are really trying to get up get people who are locked up abroad and bring people home, you know, like where they're supposed to be. And um, these seven Americans, I believe, were like execs for like some kind of oil company. They were called in 
and uh, the Venezuelan, um, you know, authorities or whatever were there, and they arrested them. And uh, I don't really have details. Like I said, I haven't really gotten into the the guts of the situation of this article specifically. This is just kind of what I've heard and gleaned. Um, but the Marduro relatives was essentially the first ladies. Uh, I think they were like his nephew. They're 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 her nephews or something like that, like siblings or I don't know, family. <laughs> and uh, so they were made in a swap. Um, so that was some big news, um, that I guess I am not covering this week. There you go. Um, gosh, this was a real one that caught my attention. Once I kind of got into the details, I understood why I didn't make more headlines. Um, True Crime Daily covered this one. Seattle man convicted after 24 body parts, including five human heads, scattered in Arizona. Um, and please kind of look at this because this dude looks like a guy who might, <laughs> I know that's fucked up to me say, but man, his nostrils are flared here. He's just, he's got these like steely, like blue eyes. I feel like he would just scatter a body. Um, now the, the title is kind of clickbaity in my opinion, because then I guess when you get into it, um, I'm, I, I think these are parts that like, they're like from a medical institution, so, um, he, like, they were supposed to be for educational and, and research purposes, and he was just more or less desecrating these bodies, just, you know, doing whatever he wanted with them, and, um, yeah, that's fucked up. So, that was one that kind of didn't quite make the, um, the main episode, I wanted to talk about that. Um, we did talk about the CEOs, though. Um, you know, trying to get their people to work in the middle of a fucking hurricane. That's awesome. Um, oh, 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 this is a good one. This is a good one. This is like scam God, like hella, hella. I just, I couldn't believe this person got 11 years, but, um, let's see. Married Chinese man cons 39 people out of $78,000 in romance scam using photos of uh, southern korean men of attractive southern korean men so he like would pose as like a doctor and like uh get, go on these like romantic tryst dates things what have you i guess and um they gave him 11 years for that when it was all said and done i guess like women connected the dots got together and they're like nah we're gonna we're gonna gatekeep this motherfucker <laughs> i don't know they're they they girl bossed him um I don't know. Like I said, I feel like I've heard parts of this story in parts and parcels as it's kind of taken place. Um, but actually, like, seeing the verdict was like, wow. Um, but, yeah, he definitely was, like, catfishing hard, um, trying to just get what he could out of this shit, really milking it. And, I mean, obviously, you shouldn't do that. That's fucked up. You should be your genuine, authentic self as best as you fucking can when you're online. I'm not saying that you you list all your painful insecurities and flaws and faults. But you just be yourself. You should just be the person in that picture that you post. You know what I mean? Like, just stuff like that. You know, when you're on the scene, just be you. Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously don't take too much dating advice from me, single guy living alone in his house. But, your apartment. But, you know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, I think that is the best, the best shot you got is to just be you and be real. Um... And that way you won't get an 11-year prison sentence. <laughs> but, I mean, my man took it too far. I mean, he was securing a big bag. 
Um, and this is the last one because I'm definitely sad I didn't get to cover this in the main. Um, I'm sorry for this this super loosey goosey way of covering some shit. But um, this was from Yahoo News and the Associated Press. I actually got to watch it happen because they had the live coverage. But uh, bam, NASA spacecraft crashes into asteroid in defense test. Now, essentially, this is something out of like a movie. It was like Armageddon 2. <laughs> essentially, instead of sending a bunch of coal miners or whatever to like drill and make an explosion, they crash a whole spacecraft in to to like change the trajectory of this like asteroid just a little bit. And essentially doing this kind of stuff because like this was an asteroid that potentially could have hit us or something like that, I think. Maybe this is like scientifically hypothetical stuff that they were kind of running through. And they wanted to run this model. Like, okay, this is a perfect model to kind of test for um, this experiment. And uh, they did it. And it was crazy to see this like this camera of this asteroid. It's getting closer. It's getting closer. It's getting closer. They shoot to NASA and they're like, you know, they're, they're telling you the situation. They're giving you the skinny. And then it hits, and they're like, whoa, whoa. And then it's like, and, and that was more or less it. But it's just crazy that <laughs> that uh, we're living in times where we're literally making those kind of things happen. But it does make you think, man, we could literally just get wiped out the face of the, the map. Not even, like, the Earth could just be, boop, boop, just gone. Big Bang 2, like... <laughs> More than the dinosaurs this time. I don't know. Um, but it was some wild shit. Um, and yeah, I think that's where I'm going to leave you guys. Uh, thank you for sticking along for the ride. I know this is a bit of a little bit of an extended cut, <laughs> if you will. A little sloppy ends on there. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is the shill mode. Uh, Patreon.com slash Isaiah News. If you'd like to help support the podcast. Uh, every $5 donation will get you Discord access. It'll get you, a, get you a name shout out on the pod. You'll officially be a newsie. And um, let's see. I, I will also cover whatever you'd like. Like if there's like a specific thing you'd like to, you know, talk about or want to see. Like, hey, I got this little kitschy story I heard and I wanted you to talk about it. I'll do that. that, that that's in my bag to do. So uh, all for the low, low price of $5. Um... Let's see. Freeway, though, to contact me, IsaiahNews.com, IsaiahNews1 at gmail.com. And uh, I am on all the socials that you probably use, unless you're on Truth, because I don't do that shit. (laughs) But pretty much like everywhere else, you know, you can find me or you can find the podcast. And um, I am always available to talk. I always got time. And if not, I'll make time. And uh, hopefully I see you soon for some more good news. I love you. Bye-bye. Mwah.